My kids have been super excited this summer because we got this little tiny kitty. She's the cutest little ball of fluff ever. And as she's getting older and older, her little personality is starting to come out. So instead of just being sweet and cuddly all the time, every now and then she gets this like murderous gleam in her eye and like will attack your feet or your hands. And it cracks me up. And the one morning my husband looks at me and he goes, you know it's a cat, right? And I go, yeah, I know it's a cat. Now I've had cats, but I've never had kittens. And he goes, you know cats... No matter what size they are, from a ferocious tiger down to this little ball of fluff, they are like a bundle of curiosity and and murder and this fierceness, and and sometimes it just explodes out of them. Which is hilarious, because it's so true if you have a cat. It's just random. And as I was preparing this, it, it made me start to think, you know what? Sometimes we get really, really comfortable with Jesus being the lover of our soul, which he is, always. But he's more faceted than just that. Just like as people, we have many facets to ourselves. And he himself has many facets to him. And it reminded me of the story from the Chronicles of Narnia, specifically a horse and his boy. And in this story, there's a young boy named Shasta and a horse named Bree. And they were free Narnians of the north, both both were uh, kidnapped in different circumstances, living living um, as slaves. And it was their journey, their great journey to escape back to free Narnia. And as they're going, and they're getting ready to cross this desert, but Shasta gets separated from his group. And he finds himself among these rocks and tombs, and he's terrified because he knows his group isn't going to meet him there until morning. And as he's standing there, this little this little cat comes up and starts rubbing on his leg and loving him. And he has this overwhelming sense of peace. He's like, oh, even if I have to be alone, this cat, this cat's here with me. And as he sleeps throughout the night, the cat curls up behind him and his back and he provides this sense of warmth and this sense of safety and security. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Shasta is awoken by the sound of jackals or whatever the predatory animal it would be in the desert. And, and all of a sudden, he's looking around for this cat, and he can't find this cat, but he hears this roar of a lion. Yeah. And he has no explanation for it. And I think we've grown so accustomed to God being this cat that comes and cuddles us and makes us safe and makes us secure, loves us, looks at us with eyes of love and passion, We can curl up in his lap. He's a good father. And he will always be all of those things. But we also have to recognize he's not just a cat. He is the lion of Judah. He is the lion of Judah. And he roars over his people with a zealous, fierce love. And sometimes we're not comfortable with a fierce love. Because it doesn't necessarily look the way we think it should look. We were talking about the last time I preached, I preached out of Joshua 3, 4, and 5. And I presented a word that was actually presented um, through Chris Allerton at Bethel. That God was coming in providence. And providence means protective care, God's intervention. And in Joshua 5... After Joshua brings the Israelites across the Jordan and they enter into that place of weakness where they all had to become circumcised, 
There was a place of weakness where they had to pause and they had to rededicate themselves to who they were, the God of Israel, I am. And an angel shows up and Joshua goes, are you for us or against us? And he says, neither, but I have come as the commander of the army of the Lord. And I truly believe God the Lion has come as the commander. And everything that we've been seeing taking place, it's his zealous love, his fierce love for his people that he's roaring over us. It doesn't look like we think it should look. But it reminded me of a story in Matthew. And this story, this this whole... No, oh, come on, phone. Okay. This whole... Uh, this whole few months over the summer since we started this debt reduction, we've seriously been into talking about sowing and reaping, right? You sow into good soil, you reap good things. It's a biblical principle. But you need to know when you sow bad things, you reap bad things too. And he can't go against a principle. It's, it's a biblical principle. It's how things were created. You reap what you sow. And when we started reaping into the community, we started sowing the fruit from that, and it was amazing. We started, we started reaping as families, as a church, our debts paid off, hallelujah. And actually, the amount we sowed, I would be interesting, it would be interesting to know the amount that we actually sowed into different ministries in the community from the beginning when we determined that that's what we were going to do. Um, how, how much money that was and the percentage, like compare the percentage of what can't really be accounted for that didn't come from our body. I actually would be really interested in knowing that number. So I'll remind Pastor Tim too. But that is a completely separate thought, okay? So, so I'm thinking about all of these laws of sowing and reaping. And it brought me to the parable of the wheat and the tares. And Jesus is telling the story. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But at night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. Why the barn? To keep it safe, because that was the crop that they were trying to grow, the wheat. So, we have an illustration here. That directly correlates with what we were doing as a church. We were sowing good seed into our community. We knew, we prayed, I prayed, I think I preached on this a while ago too, that the harvest was a guarantee. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Call in the workers. And we began as a church body to call in the workers because we knew our harvest was guaranteed. And it was going to be abundant. Now, I'm going to switch. We're talking, I was just talking about us as a church body, and I want to talk about the Church of America, 
the entire body of Christ. Not one denomination, everybody. The entire body of Christ. As we slept, the enemy came in. As we accommodated the ways of the world, little bits by little bits, it's the little things that will spoil the big things. Remember one apple spoils the whole barrel? So every apple is inspected. It's turned over to make sure that it's not going to ruin the whole barrel. And when it ruins the whole barrel, it ruins every apple, and usually the barrel because you can't get rid of the mold, right? So, as the church became silent and started to accommodate ways of the world, these little things started to creep in. Little tiny seeds were planted. And now we're reaping a harvest. Because he couldn't uproot the things that were planted, the deceitful things, the hateful things, the malicious things. He couldn't uproot them because of his love for his people. We would be the wheat in this analogy, okay? The harvest of the world, the people of the world, the people he came and died to save. He couldn't rip out what was being sown in secret while the workers slept. Because he loved his people too much. But I believe there has come a time, and now is this time. It's been, it's been preached by so many different people. It doesn't even seem like an original thought right now to me. You search it out. Now is the time that the harvest is plentiful. Everybody keeps saying this is going to be the third great awakening. Well, this Pentecost is going to be a huge move of God. It is. It is. Everything's coming to fruition. And it doesn't look how we thought it would look. And sometimes, in our offense, we can get really angry. But I want to tell you a story about John the Baptist. John the Baptist came before Jesus and he prepared the way. He was the voice in the wilderness. He was shouting out. Jesus came to him to be baptized. And he said, oh, no, no, I, I can't baptize you. You are supposed to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, this fulfills the law and the prophets. You have to do this. Okay. So he baptizes Jesus. And we know that he saw the heavens open. John saw the heavens open and the spirit ascend on the Son of Man. It's told, all that story is told in all four Gospels. But it specifically tells us in two Gospels that John saw this happen. Jesus starts his ministry. John eventually gets put into prison. This is out of Matthew 11. John's in prison. He's on death row. It's not looking good for him. He sends one of his disciples to Jesus. And the disciple goes, Are are you really the one? Are we looking and waiting for another? John's in prison. Can you hear the hurt and the doubt? Is this really happening? Is this how it ends for me? Wait, no. Go see. Go make sure. Go make sure I was right. Even though he saw with his eyes. And Jesus tells his disciple, go back and tell John, the blind see, the lame are healed, the dead will rise again. And at the end of this, in verse 6, he says, And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. 
Jesus knew what was going to happen. John knew what was going to happen. John wanted him out because who wants to be in prison on death row, right? In the Passion Translation, verse 6 says, The blessings of heaven come upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. All this turmoil, all this struggle, it's actually a sacred time, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But you have to know, we have to be able to move beyond the offense. We have to be able to move beyond the offense with our hearts in a place of purity so that we can be the laborers who go out into the world and reap the weeds and pull out the tares. We do both because we are the light that shines in the darkness. We shine the light on all. The light of Christ, that is. Not our own light. The light of Christ. We shine the light of Christ on all. And their works are made known by their fruit. There's a lot of fruit hanging out there right now. And it's really easy to see the bad, destructive, malicious, disunified fruit that's there. But we don't really want to focus on that. Because our job is to find Jesus. To find Jesus and to follow him. Because he has come as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is fiercely roaring over the lives of his people. He will not sleep nor slumber until the work which he started is brought into completion. And he is going to harvest the wheat, and he is going to harvest the tares, and we are blessed to be the laborers in the field. But we have to be able to do it without being offended by the move of God. We have to be able to step in with a pure heart. No matter what we see, no matter what we hear, no matter what happens, it has to be with purity. I believe uh, Dr. Martin Luther King said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. If we're going out into the field with all this bitterness and offense and hate, well, are we wheat or are we a tear? And that's a hard question. But But I propose, as long as you surrender to God, you will always be a wheat. Which sounds really funny. (laughs) You can leave here today and say, I will always be a wheat. Right? It is better than being a weed. Yes, that would be your your tear. We're going to look for a few minutes. Because like I said, I truly believe this is a sacred time. I truly believe the words about Passover, how it was bringing everybody home, a time of resting and a resetting, I believe those were accurate. I believe the words that were speaking about Pentecost, spoken about Pentecost, I truly believe those words are accurate. And I truly believe it's a sacred time. It's a shaking time, but it's a sacred time. This actually has nothing to do with politics at all. So get it out of your head right now. It's not that. We are looking at facts, and we are looking at the seven mountains. If you're not familiar with the seven mountain mandate, there's 
Uh, there is a word, I don't even know who started the word, that there is a mountain of business, government, family, church, media, education, and arts and entertainment. And that those seven mountains are the foundations of our society, which they are. And in Proverbs 9, it says, will, well, excuse me, it says, wisdom builds her house upon seven pillars to keep it secure. It also says in Proverbs that wisdom speaks into the gateways from the mountains of influence. Can you hear her voice? It's the wisdom of God, the seven pillars of God, the foundations of society. And right now, as we've been talking over the past few months, I believe it's a time for a battle of the voice, the influence. Whose voice is going to come out as the influence? Yeah. Whose voice is going to come out as the influence? And I believe it's a great displacing of every demonic stronghold. We're not talking about people. I'm specifically speaking about Ephesians 5 and 6, spiritual principalities, powers, and rulers. All right? In Revelation, (laughs) I got a shoe. Nice. Okay. I hope it smells good. I'm not going to get that low smell, so. No. <laughs> so it says in Revelation that the great harlot, we're going to call it the demonic principality, okay? That the great harlot, the demonic principality of the time, sits upon and rules over many waters. She sits upon and rules over the seven mountains. And the water is representative as the people, nations, and tongues. What does your tongue do? It speaks. It's the voice. It's the influence. But what do we know in Genesis? Genesis 1. What do we know there? It's the spirit of God that hovers upon the waters. And then God said, and he created everything. Genesis 1. The very beginning. The spirit of God hovers upon the waters. He is the ruler over the people, the nations, the multitudes, the tongues, the languages. He is the voice. He is the influence. But as we slept, as we accommodated, tares were sown. And now we're kicking this principality out and we're saying, no, it is the Lord who rules and influences the seven mountains. He is the light of the world, and we will shine, and we will reveal the deeds of darkness in this time. And it's a a roller coaster of a time, man. Right in front of me, one, two, five. I have five pages. We're not going to do it all. This is just my my notes, my timeline. I have a timeline that took me five pages of notes. I sat down and I said, when did this craziness start? Well, nearest I could figure was the last presidential election. It shook both both the Democrats and the Republican Party. It shook them. It shook the political system big time. Oh, but wait, that's a mountain. The government mountain. It shook a big time. 
Stay with me. This is going to sound a little crazy. In August 2017, August 2017, it was the first, I looked it up in the Farmer's Almanac. I'm going to read, hang on, I have it right here. The summer of 2017 brought the very first total solar eclipse exclusive to the United States since before the nation's founding in 1776. In 1776, there was a total eclipse that covered the United States from coast to coast. When was the next one? It was August 2017. It might sound a little crazy, but go back to Genesis. God created the heavenly bodies in the sky to tell the time and the seasons and the sacred times. I really propose that this is a sacred time we're living in. And if we can get over the offense at what it looks like, And we find God and we walk with that lion of Judah that's fiercely roaring and loving his people. It's going to be an amazing harvest. I don't even know what's going to happen. So that was the first thing on my timeline. And in seven years, the United States will experience another total solar eclipse. April 8th, 2024. Another election year. Seven years. Seven years in the Bible usually is the representation of completion. What's God completed? Why does it have to take so long? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's going to take as much time as it needs to take, but still, it's the sentiment, right? (laughs) You know what? That day coincides with Easter of that year. These are things you just can't look past. There's the fingerprints of God everywhere. The shaking starts, and then this. And the last one was in 1776. Oh, my God. Right after that, our family personally experienced a huge family shaking and breakthrough, which is a different story for another time. And I'm just going to go through the events that I have listed that occurred in the United States. You can look all around the world. This is not just us, not just for our nation. The shaking, I mean. In uh, 2017, the Me Too movement starts, and the Me Too movement exposed the sexual exploitation of women, as well as men, because it happens to everybody. And when that happened, voices were heard, and a public grieving was allowed to take place. Personhood was restored to these oppressed and abused people, and it raised awareness. I believe that was a move of God. I believe it was a movement for healing in that area. Now, whenever you have the move of God, wherever you have the wheat, you also have the tares. So you could look at that movement and go, well, these bad things came out of it. Yeah, but look at what God did in the midst of those bad things. Now, we need to be aware and speak the truth and uphold the truth and continue to shine the light so that it doesn't become man versus woman. Guilty without trial. Okay? It exposed a weak area. But I believe it was the start of restoring the voice to an entire group of people who were hurting. Okay, I gotta do one. In March 2019, this doesn't really have to do with the United States, but I have to mention it. Hong Kong starts their protest against Chinese mainland. 
Hong Kong is generally a democratic area. It's part of China, but it's independently run. China starts overstepping, and they start protesting, and they say, our voice will be heard. We will not submit to communist authority. And according to CBN, Christian, I don't, I don't know, some Christian uh, different news outlets, there was a marked growth in the Chinese underground church. Like it exploded. And then what happens? We have COVID, right? And where, where did that attack come? Where the church was exploding. Where the people were saying, no, we will not stand for oppression. Which became a pandemic, a pandemic and spread around the world, right? Because we're affected here, everywhere is affected. March 2020, we basically, our entire country basically shuts down, right? Right before Easter, churches are told, sit down, shut up, don't sing, it spreads germs. Now each state is a little different, mind you, but that's the general consensus. I'm pretty sure that's a tear, and that needs to be dealt with. So what are we as wheat going to do? The church is shaken. What? Sing louder. So the church is shaken. Pretty sure that's a mountain, right? Hang on, where's my list of mountains? Because I don't remember them all off the top of my head. That's a mountain. What else happens? Businesses. You can't open. That's a mountain. Business mountain. The economy. So we have the government shaken, the business is shaken, the church shaken, the media is running rampant over time. They're shaken. <laughs> have you, this is going to sound a little gruesome, but have you ever seen um, an animal about to die in the throes of death? It is not pretty. They do not just lay down and die, they shake. And whatever's being shaken, Remember this demonic principality? It doesn't want to leave. But we tell it to leave in the name of Jesus because it's the voice of the Lord that hovers upon the waters. It's wisdom that sets her house on seven pillars. The medical community is shaken. The entire law and constitution and states' rights are being shaken. The world is shaking. Then we have Pentecost come around with the murder of George Floyd. And again, just like the Me Too movement, an entire process of grief, collective grief, collective recognition, the restoring of personhood. I see you. Remember, God sees us. He doesn't just see us with the eyes of a lover, but he sees us with eyes of fire. We just sang about it. With the eyes of fire that, that pierces our very being, that separates the bone from the marrow. A fierce love. I see you. I hear you. What are we going to do about it, we? Because tears have risen up. The enemy has subverted it. Just like everything else we've talked about. Right? I believe we're in a time where God is saying, No, I have let this go on too long. 
all the tares that have been sown are going to be made into light. They are being brought to the light so that they can be dealt with. But that means we as the church, the body of Christ in the world, we cannot remain silent. We can't sit by and just let things happen. We have to move from a passive stance to our place of influence. Not control, but influence. We have to regain our voice. Arts and entertainment completely shut down. That's another mountain, right? Education, the children, the family units. Look at schools. Everything closed. And while everything was closed, I think this is where we're going to see something happen next. And actually, I really hope we do. Where everything closed and schools shut down, it drove all of the children to laptops and everything for their entertainment, for their education, for all of these things. And I believe that we're going to see a shaking and a freedom from the oppressed children that are being human human trafficked, child trafficking. Because that needs to be brought to light. Because actually children don't have a voice. It's the responsibility of the adult to be the voice for the children because they can't speak for themselves. So where's the noise for that? I believe the shaking started when Epstein was uh, put under arrest. I believe that was just the beginning. So Lord, shake it. (laughs) Shake it. Bring freedom to those captives, those children, the innocent ones, right? Every single mountain. And it sounds very depressing. But as Pastor Fred said earlier, we do not fear. And even if we feel fear, what was it? Even if we feel fear, we step... Is where? Oh, it's okay. We'll all make decisions based on fear. And we will step into the position the church is called to. Isaiah 61. We're going to read Isaiah 61. Hang on. It's okay, Fred. uh, We're going to Isaiah 61. (laughs) That's what popped into my head. Because this is what we as a church are. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let's do it together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. For the Lord has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. He has set us to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has set us to tell those who mourn that this is the time of the Lord's favor and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, and I'm going to say to all who mourn in the world, he is going to give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago, and they will revive them though they have been desolated for many generations. Whoa! That is like everything we just talked about. That's our charge. That's what we get to do. 
It's a big one, and you can't do it without Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are offended at the move of God that is happening right now, you're not going to be able to partake of it either until God deals with the offense in your heart. Because we have to move forth in purity. Yeah. And that's a hard word. Because all this revelation here, it came out of an offended heart. And I said, God, deal with it because I'm moving with you. I will not discount my voice, and I will not discount any voice sitting in this room. Nor does the Lord. He does not discount my voice, nor does he discount any of your discount any of yours. Right. Good. Now what do we do from here? They actually don't know. <laughs> like this revelation is amazing and it's great. Now how do we make it practical and how do we move into those positions of influence? Relationship by relationship? Prayer upon prayer upon prayer? I don't know. You're going to have to seek that out just like I'm going to have to seek that out for me. It's going to be a completely individual thing because all of us are different people. All of our voices are different and all of our voices are needed. And all of our lives touch people's lives that are different as well. That's the question I'm really going to leave you with for here. What are you going to do? How, how are you going to become an influence? Where are we going to go? Does this stir you up at all? I sure hope so. It stirs me up. I've been thinking about this for a very long time. And honestly, my notes are so scattered. I couldn't even make sense of it. I'm like, God... It's like a huge ball of thought, and you're just going to have to kind of unravel it as I stand up there speaking these words. And he goes, well, the message is part of you, so what comes out is going to be okay. And I said, oh, okay. Well, that's good. He likened it in a picture for me as well I'm going to share to a tsunami. Now a tsunami starts by an earthquake deep in the ocean. A shaking where nobody can see. And that water gets displaced. And a wave forms. And as the wave grows in size, bigger and bigger, the water along the shoreline, wherever or whatever direction the wave is headed, it gets sucked into the ocean to become part of the wave. But when you look at that ocean, the sand laid bare, everything looks dead. Where did the water go? And he's walking along the shoreline, and he's getting rid of all of the trash, all of the garbage. And what we're left with he goes, do you see it? It looks dead. But can it live? Does it remind you of Ezekiel a little bit? Can these dry bones live? They certainly did, though. They certainly did. And Ezekiel was part of that, just like we're part of what's coming. And the wave that's coming is the move of God that's going to cover the whole earth in power and glory. And right now, 
He's removing all of the blinders and all of the hindrances so that every eye can see and every ear can hear and every heart can know. Everybody, I believe, in this time frame that we're in, like I said, I don't know how long it is. In this time frame that we're in, I believe everybody will be capable of hearing and seeing and knowing the revelation of Christ. But it will still be their choice to partake of it. Everybody will hear and see, but not everybody will partake. But he's come for us all. He's drawn the line in the sand. And now we need to say, okay, God, what are you doing? And where do I fit? And what do I do next? One more thing. Because it sums it up so perfectly. And then I'm done. This is our closing prayer. It's uh, from the devotional, I hear his whispers. From June 26th, actually. This is the day of might and power for all who trust in me. There will be many who will tell you to quit or to walk away, but I whisper to your spirit, come closer to me. The days of the heaven on earth will now be revealed. My outpouring will be seen in the heavens and on the earth. Never fear the reports of the people, for I am the God of the great reversal, and I promise that the days of many changes will result in the days of many miracles. As the heavens open over your home, believe me for all that you ask. There is no one I cannot touch and transform as you pray to me. The unveiling of mysteries will be seen in the coming days as you continue to walk with me. These are the days when I will pour out heaven on the earth and shake all that must be shaken so that you will come before me with the purest of faith. Stay close to me and I will reveal my might and power. Oh, Lord, we stay close to you. We say, come. Come in power and in glory, in might. We hear your roar over your people and we embrace you. I believe he's asking, are you going to surrender all? My answer is yes, yes, I surrender all. Answer on your own, in your own heart. We thank you for what you're doing, even if we don't understand it. We trust you. In Jesus' name. take in here, yeah? You're going to have to listen to this again. Okay? Um, excellent, just excellent revelation uh, from the throne room. But uh, she was preaching. It reminded me of uh, last evening, we were going around and um, we, we do this occasionally. Just ask as a family, what's God speaking to you? But if there's nothing, there's nothing. Um, but you know, it's always good to know what God's speaking to the whole family. 
as well as the whole family. And um, I was sharing with them that I just kept seeing and sensing, I could just see these angelic clashes over the nation. I just kept seeing these angelic clashes throughout the world. And, and it was the angelic and the demonic clashing over the fate of nations. This explains. It, it, it's a beginning. You know, it's a revelation. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But that, rev- that prophecy, that prophetic word that comes forth is meant to be built upon. It's meant to challenge us, right? As I'm sure this word has challenged you. If it hasn't, wake up. (laughs) This was shoe worthy. (laughs) Two shoes. You know? um, But what I want to leave you with is this. Um, As I saw these clashes taking place, what I saw was that the angelic and the demonic coming together and clashing so hard that they were both thrown back and it created a vacuum. And this makes me weepy. I saw people being drawn up into that vacuum. I I really believe that we are in a time where we're already seeing in the midst of this shaking, there are people as powers and principalities are displaced. You will see people who no longer have a voice and it's going to be literally a mic drop. They will just drop off the face of the earth in terms of their influence and you will see others rise up, unknown people, to take their place. I believe this is a time when God is just calling forth those who have been in the secret place, those who have been serving faithfully, those who just have a heart to press in and, and are working in purity and just loving on the Lord where he's going to say, that's great. I want to expose that, the whole world to that. There are voices rising. There are voices falling. I believe even within the church, there are passive prophetic voices, which God is removing. The the, the universal church. He's doing a mighty thing. Do you perceive it? Melissa, I don't know to what end. I don't know what it looks like. But I see him drawing you up. I see him drawing you up. I submit that to you. There are others, even here in the local body, as we move forward. God is going to be drawing you up. You're going to say... Great, Pastor Fred, what do you want to do next? (laughs) The Papa's going to position you. He's going to set you in place. He's going to put you as head over tens and fifties and hundreds and so on. I don't know what's next, but I know there's a drawing. I know there's a clash that's taking place. And this was a a great description of what's been transpiring over the last four years uh, and even into the future. So be encouraged. Go back over this word. It will be available on YouTube.
Um, and again, hopefully even this week we will get those uh, uh, audio issues fixed. We're, we're, we're waiting on people. But once we get those fixed, we'll get everything up onto the website and we'll, we'll make that known over Facebook or if you want to know and check in with me from time to time. If you're not on Facebook, then you know, check in with me. I'll let you know. Okay? So be blessed. Be encouraged. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And see you next week. Amen. If anyone is in need of prayer, the altars are open, so just come on forth. If anyone uh, didn't respond to that new spine revelation, but that's you and you need it, come forth. And we're going to let Laura pray and speak that over you. Amen.